Welcome to another episode of Bald Heads Bad Takes. This is your place for hot takes, cold takes, and even some bad takes. We're joined today by Evan Bailey, and unfortunately today we don't have Will Helmendaler with us. What's going on? Will Helmendaler, where is he? He's, uh, he's a little ill right now, sadly, but um, instead of Will, sadly, we have some two special guests. Sadly. Sorry. Who are they? Who are these two folks? So, introduce yourself. Uh, Joey Caldwell. Um, Emily Elaine Moore, a.k.a. Lainey. Lainey Moore? And where do you two come from? Down by the river. <laughs> a van? That's a van down by the river? Yeah, exactly. Across campus. I don't really know where I come well, from. Well, you have a lot of time to be in a van down by the river when you're living in a van down by the river. I'm going to live in a van down by the river. All right. I digress. That's All right. concerning. Actually. That is concerning. It's exciting. It's, it's exciting. Okay. Your future's bright. Actually, some people want to live in a van down by the river. It's, I a, it's a trend. Is this a Saturday Night Live skit? Yeah, that's with Chris Okay, Blake. But I actually I do. There's actually like tons of young millennials that that's want crazy. to live in a van down by the river. And I'm serious. I actually do want I to. I believe it from your performance okay. in my class. Shots <laughs> fired. Wow. Ooh, here we go. Get started. <laughs> All right. So we're going to be talking today about the question, does God love everyone. Mm. But before we get there, we need some hot takes. So first take, we know that Evan Bailey has a sizable Bible collection. Evan, how many Bibles do you have? I have around 70. 70 Bibles. Mm. Um, How many of them are... uh uh, covered in goat skin. Goat skin. Um, I think I'm up to like 15 now with my goat skins, which are like really, really nice. And how so. much does a goat skin Bible cost? So they can range the one I have with me right now. It's a Pitt Minion, Cambridge. Uh, it's about like 110 for goat skin. But I do have an R.O. Allen and a Cambridge Wide Margin goat skin, which are like 220, 240. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're a lot, but I do have to say, I haven't spent a lot because my pastor gives me a lot of them. Okay. Okay. So, so you've been gifted them. Yes. Yes. But I did buy my R.L. Allen, which is my favorite. All right. What do you guys think? Is this a sinful, uh, wow. sinful action by Will? Well, I mean, by uh, Evan. Wow. Well, how, how, how many times have you read your Bible all the way through, Evan? See, I have, but I think that's a mistake. I don't think you should read, read the Bible. That's, that's, that's not it. That's not it. All right, okay. close the podcast. And <laughs> reading the Bible is a mistake. I'm saying that it shouldn't be about how many times you read it. It should be about why you read it and how deep are you in your reading. So instead of just reading for for just just to read through it, I like to read and study it. Actually, is there more hours spent reading your Bible or researching new Bibles to buy? <laughs> It's close, but no, I, I, I think I'm at the point now. I haven't bought a Bible in like a year. What do you think, Lainey? Is this, is this so. sinful behavior? Um, I don't know. Based on the amount that is spent towards these Bibles, I mean, I got my Bible handed to me at a rodeo. Um, a ro- what kind of rodeo? Um, I, don't, I don't really know. There were, like, why were you at a rodeo? <laughs> I just was like in a my band. Thing? Yes, like a yeehaw thing. I was in, in my Texas? band. Going down the river. No, actually not Texas. In Blythewood, South Carolina. Really? And somehow I stumbled upon a radio. So what did I do? I pulled over. And I walked in, and they were handing out Bibles. So that's where I got my Bible. Was your sister, Eliza, at a rodeo as well? She was, but in That is surprising. That is yeah. surprising. Following yeah. into her, her Don't footsteps. strike me as a rodeo kind of person. I'm, I'm really not. No. I'm no. more of a van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so what's a consensus? Is this sinful behavior? I say yes. 
Oh. I see. Yes. Good intentions. The, amu- the amount of money you have in Bibles could be sold and donated to any ministry in the city to help feed people for roughly mm. three that's months. Or, or the that's Bibles true. could be donated to those that need Bibles. Yes, mm. that's even even even. Well, not if it's even better, but just as good, right? Yes. Other people could but, be reading these Bibles. But to be fair, they do have different purposes. There are worse okay, things that could be collecting. So you have wide margins, different translations, different formats. So like I have single column, double column, I center reference. Column, yeah, me too. I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> you just have different different formats, and you can use them for uh, teaching, for preaching, for daily readings. You can use them for all different sorts of uh, Do you reasons. Write in your Bibles? Yes, for the most part. Like Psalms always lit up. Do you so. have things that you don't write in? Bibles that you don't write in? Ah, uh, yeah. Like I, I highlight just some of them. So. Yeah. Well, I I am sticking by my it is sinful <laughs> sinful behavior. Oh, he's, he's threatening me. On. He's threatening me. Oh, he I'm getting that convicted. You should repent. I feel threatened. It's only woman in this room. I, I feel a little threatened. Uh, yeah. I would. I would. I mean, he's a very violent guy. No. I'm, yeah, he was, oh, my He could have tried me in the throat last week before before we started filming. It was... Yeah, help it. We need that light up there. So, next hot take. So, most people, I think, in America, maybe even the world, I would say... In the world. ...are following the Johnny Depp... Amber Heard trial, right? Johnny, so a little background. Lainey, give us a little background on this trial. Okay, so this trial basically is about Amber Heard um, supposedly was abusive to Johnny Depp, but also vice versa. In her case, she says that he was abusive and it was a mutual thing. She says sometimes it's a fair fight. Um, the videos <laughs> of her actually saying that it was a fair fight. Um, so it's just them going to court and... Uh, I guess just chatting it out. Uh, well, actually, chatting it out. Chatting it out. All I've heard most of the time is just a lot of hearsays and objections. So, um. so Johnny Depp has lost his uh, role in the Fantastic Beasts franchise because mm-hmm. of this, and they decide not to make another Pirates of the Caribbean because of this. Mm-hmm. So, it's very disappointing. Is Johnny Depp uh, having his career unfairly ruined by this charge? I would say so. Yes. But I also think there's a lot that we don't know. I think the world is obviously siding with Johnny Depp just because he's a he's very Depp. he's Woo. a very loved man and a very just charming, seem, charmingly kind-hearted man. But I think that there's a lot that goes into it because I mean there has been in like the videos we hear some of it Johnny and we know that he struggled with he's an alcoholic. So I don't I don't really know. I want to side with Johnny and I want Johnny to get justice if. He was one being mainly mm. abused in this case. Mm. So I don't I don't know enough about it to have a side. So you've been reading your Bibles too often. Yes, yes. Mr. Caldwell, what do you think? I don't know. I, I, I haven't been following it. Um, it's my the, boy. I, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, it's just not like intriguing to me enough to follow. I find it so intriguing. I don't I, know why. I think it is. Every night I'm up to like eleven o'clock reading the, <laughs> reading the newest. I am like, wife's like, go to bed. I'm like reading the joint. I'm like telling her about. It. She's like, I don't want to go catechize your kid. No, I'm reading Johnny Depp. <laughs> I need to know what's going on. Some of the videos are quite funny. I will admit. Yeah. It's, okay, okay but truthfully speaking, John Mayer is greater than Johnny Depp. John Mayer. Uh, John okay. Mayer. Wait, that's a different. That's a whole why are we comparing okay. John Mayer and John Depp? Because clearly John John Mayer's. John Mayer he doesn't is even a, have a singer. You jumped across the river yeah, into the other band. <laughs> John Mayer is a, a singer. singer. Johnny Depp Who is an actor. I'm just saying. They people people say that John Mayer. Like, 
is the Walmart version of Johnny Depp. What? It's, uh -uh. it's the other way around. Uh -uh. <laughs> Who says this? Okay, well, I would say Johnny Depp yes. is more legendary. John, no, John Mayer is the best. I love John Mayer, but Johnny Depp John Mayer is Jack Sparrow. Speaking of love. Speaking of love. Nah. I don't know. All right, well. Shot in the we, dark. We, we, will, we will see how this goes. All right, so the question before us today is a difficult one to answer because we hear a lot, right? We hear people say, God loves you, and it's oftentimes used in an evangelistic sense, like God loves you. He wants you to uh, follow him. He wants you to follow him with his life. He wants you to repent, which is not necessarily bad to say, but the question before us is, does God love everyone? Because when we say this sometimes, I think it could be a little misleading, possibly. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what we need to do before we get started answering that question is defining what we mean by love. When we say in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What kind of love are we talking about here? Uh, what kind of love we're talking about? Well, okay, so the, um, I think it depends on context. Like when, when y'all posed this question to me, I was actually thinking uh, in Romans when uh, Paul said, when he, when he quoted and he said, uh, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Mm. And um, mm. the context for that was actually uh, referring to God's election. And so, like, to, to hate, the comparison was by not choosing, it was as if hating. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't think it was speaking to his love. And I think in the same way, so loved, I think in order to understand John 3.16, you have to go back a few verses to when he's referring to uh, Moses and the serpent on the pole. Mm. Um, when he's saying, um, oh, where is it? Let me just find it really quick. Um, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. So the idea that um, there is some, this idea that the Son of Man is going to be lifted up, he so loved the world that he's he's doing this. So there's, there's, um, there's a, Judgment still that's taking place. So, I don't know. Uh, when people refer to love, I think they're trying to refer to love, God's character, which He is love. Mm -hmm. But that uh, there's different yeah. actions that come mm -hmm. out of that. So, I know a lot of people. I'm going to say this Paul Washer quote really fast. Um, this was Bradley, it's, my it's brother. It's really surprising. I'm surprised you're quoting Paul Washer. Wow. Shocker. So, he says, God cannot hate because God is love. No, I tell you, God must hate because he is love. I love children, therefore I hate abortion. And what I think this is saying is like, God must hate the opposite of what he loves. So he loves what is good, so he hates sin. And I think that, um, you know, we see this throughout scripture and we see God's wrath poured out into the things who, um, that he hates. So I think when we try to define love, we should look at, uh, you know, the passages that speak on God's love, but we should also look to the passages that speak on God's wrath, since that is like the opposite of it. Um, okay. so yeah. Lady Moore. Um, I think like with the statement love, there is such thing as tough love. And I think we see it a lot in the Bible. Like you hear about in parenting and stuff like that. Well, you hate your parents, they do something, but it's, they say, it's because I love you, and it's hard to understand, but they're doing it because they love you. They make hard choices because they love you. And I think that in scripture, you know, we see God doing things that we don't quite understand and punishing people, but it's out of love. And I think it's hard for us to understand in this world concept in this life. But I think that, um, you know, love isn't all just easy and 
um, fun. I think that we find a lot of comfort in that saying, like saying God loves you because yeah. it is comforting to hear <clears throat> God is also going to hold you accountable and judge you for your actions. Mm. So kind of a balance between the two. Yeah, a good balance. Um, when I think about this, I think of God's love. Like when, when we hear God so loved the world, I think of this love as an intense, an in, so there's intensity to it. There's like there is an intense uh, favor, I guess, towards fallen creation that leads him to send his son to die. So when we think about love, I think the best thing to kind of, like in my opinion, the best way to think about this is God's desire that is so intense that he sent his own son to die on the cross. And we also read in Second um, Peter 3, 9, which is used, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but this is also used to kind of display God's character is, um, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So I think when we talk about God's love, it's this desire for everyone to come into Christ. But I think that there's a problem in saying that, just going around saying indiscriminately God loves you, mm-hmm. because when we think of love, at least when I hear the word love, I think of this unconditional love. Like, is that is that what you guys typically think of? Yeah. I think of unconditional love. I also, like, I've been thinking, like, as y'all have been talking, like, the, the idea that, like, the idea that love, like, he's still, he is always loving, even in his, uh, his wrath, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he's loving himself first. Like, that's what everything comes out of. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, he can't not love himself. <coughs> um, and then to your point, like, creation, like, that relationship was always the intention was between humankind and God, that partnership. Um, and so when, um, when that is affected, when that, um, when the, I lost my train of thought, but when, when that relationship is broken, that's when wrath comes in, right? Wrath is a foreign, I would say wrath is a foreign thing to God. Like Mm. it's a result of things that shouldn't, Interesting. Hmm. So, so you would say, like, in the garden, for example, God did not. There was not wrath. I would say, I think the uh, the propensity is there, but Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't his. So, would you say create create out of wrath? Would you Hmm. say God is wrath? Yes, because he's God. (laughs) But God, um, so it's a part of his nature. But um, we see it because of brokenness. We see it because of sin. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think that, that, that's, that's a really interesting take. I mean, so so I, I kind of agree with you in that, but I also think wrath is part of his love. Mm-hmm. Yes. There is such a protection for his name, for his love, even for his creation, that there is a just anger and hatred for things that go against it. Yep, like Matt Chandler, uh, I watched one of his videos, and he was saying that, um, like, I love my my son and my daughter like so much where he'd be happy to start a prison ministry if someone like tried to beat up or jump his like daughter or son like because he's gonna beat the living brave daylights what is it called yeah daylights. beat the living daylights <laughs> out of him and he was like i'm happy to start a prison ministry just because he hates like again like the opposite yeah of what like he loves parental thing almost mm-hmm. yeah so can we can we kind of walk away with like one definition for love like if you had to say one definition for love what would, you, what would you characterize that as for God's love? I think God's love is, it's, uh, that's tough just to think of one. It's almost sacrificial is a good word. Mm, sacrificial, okay. I would, I would just go back to the, the um, opposite of wrath. Mm-hmm. 
because I think having both of those, you get the full picture. Yeah. I think you see in Scripture, I think you see this repeated pattern of God wanting to dwell with his people. Mm-hmm. And I think there, that his love is his desire to dwell with his people, right? Which is, which is, against, which is against sin. It's against uh, wickedness of all kinds. But he wants... Let's see if you guys see you hearing a siren in the back. I'm not sure what's going on. Goodness, oh fire trucks. There's lots of fire trucks. But, um, but yeah, I think his desire is for all to uh, come to Christ. And there's and it's a, it's a love that's really intense. It's not like, we're not talking about like a weak love. We're talking about an intense love that sent his own son to die. Yeah. Um, it's definitely intense. I like it's that intense, word. yeah. Any other things about love that we need to kind of clarify before we move on to the next topic, the next uh, part of this? I heard one thing one time, and I just kind of thought about kind of what you were just saying. Like, God dwelled with his people, and he wanted them to come to Christ. But, like, God is all-knowing. Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus is God. Just thinking about back in those days, Jesus knew every person he talked to if they were going to go to heaven or hell. But he still tried Mm. and still showed the love of Christ and tried his best to, you know— Bring them to Christ. I don't know. I just think it's interesting to think about. They continued to pursue sinners. Pursue, yeah, and he yeah, knew. Like, knowing some would not. The result, not come. yeah. He washed Judas's feet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like so that the, was his last interaction with Judas before yeah. he passed him the bread. Yeah. So he loves Judas in a way that is, is, I mean, we can't say he doesn't love Judas. Right. But he also hates the fact that he, <laughs> that he you know, um, sinned in the way he did. Right. But it was also necessary yeah. in the same way. Yeah. All right, so if that's, if that's God's love, the question before us is, does God love everyone? Mm-hmm. And I would start off by saying yes and no. Um, I agree. Yes, and the fact that he, want, that he loves enough to send his son to die for everyone. But everyone. no. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But no in the sense that it's an unconditional love where and we tell people all the time that are, especially Ben Lippin Chapel, that God, God loves you regardless of your performance. It's not based on works is based on grace, right? Um, but there has been this kind of distinction, which I think me and Evan are going to kind of take, like, so I, I do not take this side, but we're going to kind of talk at least about this side a little bit. I think Evan actually may, may kind of fall more in this category. That in John 3.16, uh, when he says, for God so loved the world, uh, the world refers to simply the elect. So the world only refers to those who were predestined before the foundation of the world to come to him. Um, and, and one of the, and just before we kind of break into this discussion a little bit, um, one of the arguments, um, I probably probably the best argument for this side, again, which I don't I don't believe this side, but A.W. Pink was a theologian in the mid-20th century, and he said that the world in the Bible is a very general term. And he used numerous examples in his treaty on this um, about why the world is not everyone. For example, he said Revelation... Um, <coughs> Revelation, where is it? 13.3. It talks about, uh, you know, the Antichrist rising up. And it talks about people following the Antichrist. And in this verse right here, it says, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, which refers to um, the promise that Christ would crush. Uh, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. Now, this says the whole earth, or some translations say the whole world. Well, we know the whole world doesn't follow the beast because it's the remnant that does it, right? <laughs> so the argument there is that the world does not refer to everyone. So what do you guys think about this? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think a lot of the times the world can mean the whole world, but I think a lot of the times it also just means the elect, or some cases not the elect, um, as we read sometimes. 
um, later on in the New Testament. But I think it's it's all about context um, in the writing. I know that's that's the easy answer, but um, yeah. So what I, kind of context would give a um, like for when you're saying the world? Like what decides? What kind of context decides that it means only the elect versus only, mm. or like those that aren't? Um, I mean, I don't. I, don't have I would, one I would say. I would head. say again. If I'm a, if I was going to argue for the side, I would say the context of the entire Bible. For example, when it says the world in Revelation, well, we know we know from other scriptures that not everyone's going to follow the Antichrist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, we can be kind of confident that he's not talking about the world. In John three sixteen, my opinion, my personal opinion, I think he's talking about everyone. Um, but yeah, I think I would I would say that as well. That it's everyone. I wouldn't say it's only the elect. So he does love the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well. We're in agreement on that. Yeah, I think I think we're all going to agree that God does love everyone in a sense. But I guess like my main difference would be that God also hates unbelievers, um, and I know that's really tough to hear. But at the same time, we want to let Scripture speak for itself. Um, I have a verse. It's Psalms five five or five through six, and it says, "The boastful shall not stand before your eyes." You, which is God, hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Mm. That doesn't sound very like love language or mm. all lovey-dovey this. Um, it sounds pretty wrathful and it sounds hateful in a sense. So, so you're saying that God hates unbelievers? I would say yes, yeah. I so, mean, that's, that's so, he hates all evildoers. So can he love them too? I think there's a common grace, and I think there's a common love that he shows towards the whole world. What do you think, Mr. Caldwell, about that? Common, a common love or, like, a common mercy? Like a- yeah, yeah, common mercy. Okay. It's, there's just everything that falls, falls into the whole common grace. Um, well, I don't know. I, so I vacillate. I go back and forth because um, I think it's a both end, but it, it's yep. always, like, I get to one end, I'm like, but then this, and yeah. that mm-hmm. takes me to the other end. So... Um, so, like, as you were reading this, like, I'm looking at it. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty. So, first of all, this is uh, it's poetic language, right? And so it's intended to have um, an emotional uh, impact as well. But the um, I don't think it lessens his feelings towards the person. Um, I don't know. I I have a... I have an issue with God uh, hates a sin, loves a sinner, but I I feel like there's also um, some like there there is a reality to that statement of like uh, it it is that sin, it's that death that has broken the relationship and separates, yeah. uh, not necessarily <laughs> like the person, right? And so the person is doing the action, yes, um, and the sin comes from within them, mm. but. Um, so I, I have a hard time with saying that he hates the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's 14. This is um, from David Platt. He says <clears throat> that 14 times in the first 50. What are you laughing at? Nothing. 14 times in the first 50 Psalms, it mentions like God's wrath and his hate um, mm-hmm. towards unbelievers and towards the unjust and the unrighteous. Um, so I think we just can't ignore those scriptures that say that. And I think we can't ignore also scriptures that point to his love towards them as well. So that's why I take sort of the both and. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the saying, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. 
who goes to hell? The sin of the sinner. Let me throw out this other uh, argument from A.W. Pink, because I think it's, it's at least interesting. Mm-hmm. So he talks, he, he kind of pushes back on this uh, 2 Peter 3, 9, where we hear, you know, God wants everyone to be saved, mm-hmm. right? Um, he, sa- he says that that doesn't mean that God wants everyone to be saved because we're not taking that verse in this full context. If you guys look at this, uh, the beginning of that is that God is not slow to fulfill his promise, right? So he would say that the promise is for the elect to be saved, so he is calling, and he is, and the whole purpose of Second Peter would be to uh, urge them not to fall away. Mm-hmm. So he's saying he wants all of you elect to be saved. Now I push back against that, and I'll, and I'll explain in a minute. But what do we think mm-hmm. about this? That, that 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 verse, Second Peter three nine, is only regarding the elect. I don't know enough about it, I guess, but I do know A. W. Pink is very wise. Wise scholar. Not saying he's obviously hundred <laughs> percent correct all the time, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This is a hard topic, but also like in scripture, you know, the elect are referred to as God's children and um where the lost and the evil are never referred to as God's children ever. And we see um only those that are born again in Christ are his children and like in John 12, we see, yet to all who have received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to between the children of God. And so if the elect are just those children of God and he just loves them, then I guess that is referring Mm. to. But also what Evan was saying earlier about how, like, God hates the evildoer and the unjust, unright, and the deceitful. Aren't we, like, even believers, we are full of sin? Does that categorize us or just... So, yeah, I think that um, evildoers are referring to unbelievers because God sees Christ's righteousness throughout or through us. And he sees, um, you know, our sins are forgiven because of the penalty which Jesus uh, took on. So I also think that we're clothed in Christ's righteousness as Ephesians yeah. says. So. Yeah, and Paul has that list where he says, at one time you were yeah. adulterers and you were sexually immoral. Um, at, some of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at one time. Now now you're hidden in Christ, which I think is one of the greatest doctrines in the whole Bible. The fact that when God sees us, he sees Christ. Yeah. I mean, so it's a huge comfort to us when so, we continue to sin and fall. Yeah, and I also think, I'm not saying Christians don't sin, but I think there's a difference of sinning and being enslaved to sin as well. And I think that I unbelievers are enslaved to sin and believers are enslaved to Christ. So. And also, I mean, unbelievers are not covered. Their sin is, is mm-hmm. not covered by the blood. So mm-hmm. therefore, they are, it's visible. Like the, God sees, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously God knows we still sin. Yeah. But it's not, it's not covered. It's not atoned for. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, the reason I push back against this uh, interpretation by A.W. Pink is because of First Timothy 4.10. So uh, Pink would say that this, when he talks about the world, he's only talking about uh, the elect. And therefore, Jesus only died for the elect. Some have called this Mm hyper-Calvinism. So there's Calvinism and there's hyper-Calvinism. And some hyper-Calvinists do not even evangelize because they're like, what's the point? What's the point? God's going to save those who are elect. So there's no point of going around basically wasting. And I hope I'm not mischaracterizing the the hyper-Calvinists. But there's not a whole lot of them anymore. It was more of a thing in the uh, 19th century. Spurgeon sort of. Spurgeon kind of put the the death nail on the hyper-Calvinists. But in 1 Timothy 4.10... Uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, For this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is a savior of all people, especially those who believe. So he's a savior of all people, Mm. especially those who believe. So we have a salvation for those who believe, 
but we also say is a savior of all people. Um, now it's a little now it's a little strange wording here, especially those who believe. But I think I don't know. I think the spirit of this is that God died for all, but those who accept this accept this um, salvation will be saved. Is that, is that how you guys take it? Yeah, there's there's a. I know some people have issues with this, but there is a responsibility in man mm-hmm. to respond. Um, yeah. C.S. Lewis has a really great illustration that Evan's laughing at right now. <laughs> but he has a really great illustration of like, uh, so it does require um, God to wake you up, right? Like yeah. Paul says, awake a sleeper. Mm-hmm. Like it requires God to bring you to the fact, the awareness that you uh, have this need. But then there's still a responsibility in man. Do you receive that or do you reject it? Um, we see that throughout the Gospels, people uh, responding to Jesus. They accept the reality that he is the son of God. He is who he says he is, or they reject him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the whole Gospel of John's about, is this idea of do you believe? Yep. And so um, I do, like, I, I fall in the, the camp of it is for all people, but there are those that yeah. will choose not to. So kind of, kind of as we kind of take this to its conclusion, not the, we, we won't talk about this for a while, but what do we tell, what do we tell unbelievers about God's love? Because we hear, I mean, I've heard this so many times since I've been a Christian, God loves you. Right. And they lead with that. God loves you. Is that wise? <clears throat> I would say it's very misleading because, yes, God loves you. But if you tell an unbeliever who's constantly sinning and constantly knows that they're sinning and God still loves you, don't you think they might find comfort in that and still yeah. go living life without repentance, knowing that, hey, God still loves me. There's no help for me since God loves me. If that's all they hear. Mm. Now, I think if you were to say, you know, God loves you. So stop what you're doing and repent because God is also wrathful and he's wrathful to those who don't believe. I think that's a better gospel call uh, to repent and believe. And I know a lot of people would push back on that because repentance might seem as a work. Hmm. But we do hear time and time, repent and believe and be saved. Right. Um, so I know Ray Comfort, Paul Washer, John Piper, they all get slapped in the face for saying, like, repent and believe. But I also think it's necessary. Has anyone ever watched Ray Comfort's videos of evangelism? Where he, yes. you see that? It's, it goes around with a little I dog. Love it's the I best. Love you just see the people's face. <laughs> just like it's like, have you ever lied? Have you ever lusted? And by the end, he's like, so you're saying so you're, you're lying, cheating, <laughs> fornicating at heart. Do you think? Do you think you should go to heaven? heaven or hell? Yeah, that's, that's you should do that to your students. Yeah, we'll we'll do that tomorrow. Okay. No, but yeah. I, uh, I I think that um, just like repentance is is a necessary thing. Uh, for salvation because repent and be baptized so if you start and finish with god loves you that's it because that's what some people do yeah and that's that's just not that's not the gospel lady Moore, what do you think is it misleading to tell people god loves them would you when you're talking to people that are not christians would you say god loves you or would you lead with a new different message uh for me usually it has just been that god loves you and i do think i mean there's nothing wrong with saying that i mean Mm -hmm. i think for some people it is that aren't believers, there is a God, there is something greater, and that he does have undying love for you, so it is good to hear, but I do agree with Evan. That's, I mean, yeah, he loves you, but that's not enough. Um, I mean, it is enough, like... Yeah, that's enough, but... Yeah, um, it's enough, be- but on your side, what are you doing to pursue that love, and what are you doing to come to him and mm. repent, so... Mr. Caldwell. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think, uh, I think if... Uh, you only start with love, or if you only speak to God's love, um, it leaves uh, our part out of it. It leaves our, our responsibility. Mm. Like our like, uh, there's a reason that the judgment falls on 
man. There's a reason that God's wrath falls on man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because we're the ones that are perpetrating that. Yeah. So I think um, it is misleading, but I, I, I say that with some balance. Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm a really firm believer as far as evangelism goes that it's it comes out of relationship and mm-hmm. it comes out of um, a pursuit on my part. So, yeah. like, they're going to know, hopefully they're going to know God's love because of my actions towards them. And so then that, that leaves open conversations for, like, hey, like, you're on the wrong side of God's God's love. You're mm-hmm. on it. Like yeah. you're gonna receive His wrath. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you mm-hmm. think, Mr. Yulman? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. <clears throat> I'm gonna share them with you. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, so I think a couple different things. So I think that uh, the Bible tells us that God's kindness leads to repentance. So it's not it's not um, you know going up and just saying you're going to hell is not the only. It's not the full message either. Right. And I don't think any of us think that. Um, I think love is most well, most greatly seen in the church by loving one another. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, to unbelievers, I know. I mean, I didn't become a Christian until I was twenty-seven. There was, and to, to my friends that are still, you know, in my life that are unbelievers, the greatest uh, evangelistic tool I have is my church community and the way we like live life together and love one another. Um, so, I think that love is an essential part of this evangelism strategy. Like we need to be pointing to God's love, which is evidenced by the way we love one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but to say, does God love you, as the only, as, as as the evangelistic tool, um, I don't know. I think that I think that. Um, I, so where I'm from in Massachusetts, there is no there is no concept of the gospel. Um, people believe in God. There's a lot of Catholic people who believe in some type of God. Uh, but the general consensus is that God is the same, whether it's the Jewish God, the Buddhist God, mm-hmm. or um, the, the Muslim. Like it's, it's the same God. So if I if I go around in that context and say God loves you, they will say, "Okay, I know, yeah. I know that, yeah. I know that." There'll be no, there's no, there's no reason for them to believe they need to repent. Now in the South, where the gospel is much more widely known, at least, I think that you can say God loves you in a way where they know what the gospel is. Um, but we're coming into a culture now where people just aren't familiar with the gospel. Like, and I think it's going to be increasing in the South too. So, I th- for me, I think the the leading uh, the leading part of evangelism strategy is that God desires to dwell with you. <clears throat> Repent. He died for you because He loved you. In my mind, that that's the full message. God desires to dwell with you. You need to re- repent because God sent His Son to die for you because He loves you. So, love is a part of it. A repentance. There is no. There is no salvation without repentance. Yeah. And as we're saying this, I've almost sort of. Dis- I disagree with my my statement. It's going fair back. Fair enough, fair enough. I just. I'm. I'm looking. Did, did you read David Platt wrong? <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at you know my Bible. You hate all evildoers. I just can't get away from that. Like, hmm. can God love and hate someone at the same time? Yes or no? I well, I mean, like, like. Like Mr. Call in the beginning said, uh, you know, Esau, I hate it, right? Yes, Romans 9. Well, I mean, do you guys think that means that he actually, like, hated, like, as far as wanted to see the destruction of Esau? Is that, way, is that how you read that? Or do you no. read it or preference? Well, I mean, so, think like, about Romans 9. Think about Romans 9. That's election. Jacob, part of the elect, Esau, <clears throat> not. Jacob, the elect, he loved Esau, not part of the elect, he hated. So do you think that applies now? 
that the non-elect, the followers of Esau per se, of like the ungodly, got so, hate. So I hear that term hated as a preference term. Yeah. What do you mean by preference? So for those who don't know what that so means. So we think <laughs> so when we think of hatred, um, I hate I hate the Mr. person. Yulman. Yeah, Laney hates Mr. Yulman. <laughs> or I hate the person who committed this heinous crime against my family. Like it is a, it is a. You want to see justice done against him, and, that, and that's part of it. Like there is a, but there is a hundred percent like dislike. Like, and I and I think God has a general kindness. So I don't think it's that kind of hatred. I think it's a preference. There's a preference for Jacob over Esau. There is a preference. He blesses Esau. Right. Still. He still does. And there's a preference for the elect, however we define that. We're not going to get into that this episode, but there's a preference for the elect over the rest of the population. I just, I can't get over, you hate all evildoers. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Like, that's that's not love language, like I said earlier. That's not something that I feel like... But, but 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 what does the Bible say is the greatest love? That there is no greater love than this than those who lay down the life for our friends. Mm-hmm. Talking about Jesus. And if Jesus laid down his life for all of us, that means Who's that there's... all of us? Well, I think we already established that we thought it was everyone. Uh, yeah, I would disagree with that, but... You disagree with it like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, God. For everyone? Yeah. Yeah you, yeah, you said the world is everyone. John 3, 16. Everyone go back and... and listen, listen, listen to I this. I may have, I may have. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doubting that. So if that is the definition, if that is the greatest love, mm-hmm. and he died, and if we have come to the conclusion that the world is everyone, then he loves everyone. And so we, we can never take this one verse... But it is what it's. He's says. moving. Oh, sorry. He doesn't I didn't want me to. Oh, he doesn't didn't want me touching his Bible. Bible. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Yeah, we don't. We can't take this one verse as the only fourteen times in the first fifty Psalms. Well, we we know that God. There's a wrath against those who are and a hatred doers and a hatred too. But I've been just disagreeing everything. But there could be. Said. I think there could be a love and a hatred at the same time. I don't know. What do you got? What do you think? I, I, I think, think absolutely. I agree. I I mean, he is everything, right? So like. You can't not be something. So what? So what is your? Is, is it this verse that's the problem? Is it just the word that he times they use the word hatred so much? Fourteen times, you know, God abhors all evildoers. He hates all evildoers. So what do you do with? But what is God love? known for? Like, what does what is the repeated theme from God over and over and over, especially in the Old Testament? And there's then it, multiple things. It comes into the you New Testament. Can't just limit. At it's one when thing. he's talking with Moses, and when he when Moses says, "Please show me." He says, okay, I'll pass, I'll hide you in the rock and I'll pass before you. I'm going to declare my name and then step out. So part of his name, declaring his name, says Yahweh, Yahweh, God who is gracious and merciful, mm. slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And that's true. And faithfulness. 100%. Okay? To who? So, to who? Is that promises for unbelievers as well? It's saying that's his character, that's his name, that's who he is. Yeah. And so, in, again, in the Psalms, they take that that theme and they carry that theme like when when I studied that like I was shocked at how many times I saw those those qualities of him come out as yeah. well so I think there has to be the balance so does that mean you're just going to ignore no there has to be a balance, balance. Yeah. balance I mean I think when we're reading scripture we have to be able to hold two things together that don't naturally fit in our minds. And we have to be okay with it. We have to be okay with it. <laughs> That's the hardest part. Like, we have to be okay with, like, like Mr. Caldwell pointed mm-hmm. to earlier, where God knows before the foundation of the world, like, who mm-hmm. are his, but he also calls all men to repent and gives us responsibility to repent. Like, there, we have to hold those two together, I think. I think it's one of those areas we have to be able to hold those together. Um, 
but I'm not sure. Go back to kind of the evangelism strategy. I just don't know if um, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't tell an unbeliever straight up just God just hates you. Mm-hmm. Would you? No. No. Depends I would. I mean, I would. <laughs> I would try to talk to them in a conversation. You know, what is sin? Sin is not just something we do. Sin is inside of us. It is the core of us. Should I say God hates the core of you? Is that better? Instead of God hates you? Would you rather me say God hates the core of you? Maybe in some sense. I mean, a a lot of... Because the sinners go to hell, not the sin. A lot of churches have said, I mean, have gone in the direction of overemphasizing God's love. Mm -hmm. And so maybe, maybe there's a correction point here of overemphasizing God's wrath. for. And I think that if you, like you were saying, in a personal manner... Explain to them that God hates the core of you in your sinful and fleshly um, state. And I think that, um, yes, love drives out fear. We read that. But we also realize that, you know, God does hate the core of unbelievers. And I think we read that here in Psalms 5.5. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with this only because I think, like, when we're dealing with Believers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking about myself. Yeah. I'm thinking of family members that I'm really close with. Mm-hmm. Um, to say God hates you, very difficult. Especially if they've grown up in the church, they know all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Say God hates you. Oh well, then okay. <laughs> like it just just turn it off, right? So, um, and I think it's more a matter of like it has to go back to the relationship, like what the intention was. And like, you are separated from him because um, of your sin. I, but the the hatred piece of it, I think there is wrath poured out on the person, right? And I think mm-hmm. that needs to be stated. But I don't know if I'd go as far as telling someone in my evangelism yeah. that God hates you. Yeah, and or I God hates your core or. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely, that's like, not something, if can, do you mind if we have some coffee for a minute? God, God, God hates your core. core. So just no. to open up so it's all clear, God hates your core. No, but I think that if you walk with them, and if you have a good relationship with them, if you explain what sin is and how it separates us from the love of God. I think that's where relationships come in. Mm-hmm. People. Because do we agree that sin separates us from the love of God? Of course. Yes. Yes. What does that mean? Does it separate us from partial love, full love, like... Oh, I mean, we're talking about different levels of love. I mean, there's a special love for God's children, and there's a general love for mankind. Mm-hmm. But there's also a hate, would you say? Yeah. Would you say that God hates the core of unbelievers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say God hates Dennis Yulman's sin, too. I, um, I hate Dennis <laughs> most, people, most people do. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I guess the difference with that is... Your sin, you're not enslaved. I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying that yeah. you are not enslaved in sin. Thank you think you're praying. Um, <laughs> but you are, you are out of that. And yeah. God sees Christ's righteousness through you. So it's no longer uh, a hatred of, it's a hatred of the sin, but it's not a hatred of your core. So but I think that's like, I know we're going long, but I think that's like, that's the point. Like uh, the person needs to see the need, not necessarily God yes. hates But what is me. the need? The to need get out of God's wrath and to right. live and enjoy God's right. presence forever. That's the that's that's that eternal wrath because right now they're experiencing His general mercy and His general grace. So like mm-hmm. the the um, like it's it's about that separation piece. It's about that relationship. Piece. There is 
people need to know that God is desiring them for them to come to him. Yeah. And hating them to the core is not is not the leading <laughs> is not the leading edge of No, and I'm not saying it's hey, hello, you're an unbeliever, God hates you. It's it's more of a hey, unbeliever, you uh, God wants to, you know, pursue you and he wants a relationship with you but at the same time you're living in sin and you're living in a sinful state yep. where god hates that yeah and he that, hates that, I, I'm, fine, I'm fine i'm <laughs> fine <laughs> just leave out the core part yeah. i'm fine with that message I'm sorry i'm quoting scripture here god hates all evil evil doers the lord abhors Even at the, the blood can, we get a, can we get a word count on how many times you've said core you've said core a lot yeah it's core, sorry. Core's, yeah all right so core <laughs> you know what you should do? You should maybe give them one of those 70 Bibles you have. I'd, that'd be a great idea. Mm. So that way they can read that God <laughs> abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. He hates all evildoers. Yeah, they can the read Lord. that. Yeah, no, none of us none of us are arguing that God doesn't hate evildoers. But oh. we're saying There's that we're, some tension. Well we're saying that no. we're saying that I've just been threatened by that. <laughs> <laughs> I we're feel saying threatened that, by Evan Bailey. I don't. He's no. you know, I, I could snap him in half if I had to. We're just saying that God's love and hatred can coexist. Can coexist. Yeah. yeah. You don't like that, but it's Mike, th- no, no. I would, I would say that, like I've said, God loves all in a general and common grace way. Yes. 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 But God also hates the evildoer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Fair you. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. I, okay, I think we I all, I think we all like agree in a sense. No more words in, in, this in, one. In, yes, in, in God's, God has a general <laughs> kindness towards humanity, and that kindness in sending His Son is what leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the question is. Do you walk up to someone on the street and say, God hates your core? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, no. in the New Testament, really fast, I know we're going really long. There's there's times where we read of evangelism, and I don't see a lot, uh, at least in my reading in my goatskins, <laughs> that um, <laughs> that they they always they mention, you know, God hates you. They, they don't. They mention God's love. Yeah, um, I mean, in the book of Acts, it's often the work of the work of God in sending Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. and what Christ did on the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is and God's often, full display of his love and his wrath at the right. same time. Absolutely. Right. Which is where we can all agree that God loves and he Boom. has wrath. Evan, it's Boom. a mute button. Boom. Boom. No, that was good. <laughs> Just Just go go go. The cross is the full right. display of God's love and his wrath. Mercy and justice coexist. All right. Well, that was a good discussion. I think, I think it's important because... Uh, we hear, I mean, we, even in Ben Lippin, I, th- I don't think it's a stretch to say there are people that rest on God's love but are not considerate or afraid of his wrath, which I think is a dangerous Ooh. place to be. I think, very true. I think it's a very dangerous place very to be and not consider God's wrath. So I think that's, this is a really important discussion. But uh, thank you guys for another great episode yeah. of Bald Heads, Bad Takes. Lady, lady. Uh, uh, lived up to Will's standards. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, Will's sick. Uh, I'm a little disappointed Will wasn't here. I am too. Me too. Laney, we're glad you're here. Yeah. We're glad you're here. She paid me $75 to come to this wow. podcast That is not today. true. She, she told me she paid me that much too. That's you paid $150 wow. to be on this Just podcast. Just the podcast. Thank <laughs> you so <Thank> much. <laughs> hey, can you send Bob more Bibles? Oh, I'm, just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. We're happy to have Laney and as always, Mr. Caldwell. So mm-hmm. that is, what is this, episode five? Five, yeah, yeah. I think so. It must be. Right. It's exciting. This is episode wow. five of Bald Heads, Bad Takes. So. And share this with your friends so we yes. can shave Evan's head. 
If we get a thousand listeners, Will, yeah. Humladala, and I, we're somewhere around we're somewhere between like around three hundred already. Yeah, really? so I think yeah. so. It's popping off. So we need to we need to shave his head. Like I'm hoping by the middle of summer. Actually, I hope it's right before I get back to school. No, I have no <laughs> senior pictures. Oh, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah, you need you need to grow some hair follicles yeah. on your face before you do that. Well, All right, everyone, have a good week. We're Thank out. Thank you. Adios. Thank you.